the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. In the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, God made Adam and Eve and gave them the vocation to rule benevolently together as the image of God over all creation. All things were prepared for them. Their garden kingdom was established. God's edict went out to make them king and queen, and they were given a law to follow as they cultivated the land and grew as a family. One thing remained. Adam and Eve were given a test, an opportunity to assent to God's plan and to be revealed to all of creation as who they were made to be, to assume their place and to begin their work. This test was the gift of a good God through which he called our first mother and father to obedience, to trust, and ultimately to exaltation at his own side before the face of all creatures. But as we all know, Adam and Eve failed their test, the price for which was the stamping of that failure on all of their descendants. Yet God was merciful and provided them a way forward, but one that again required obedience and trust. Adam and Eve would have to bear the humility, with humility, the shame of leaving Eden. To face the wilderness, the place where the test of vocation and faithfulness must thenceforth take place. Later, on the plains of Haran, a man named Abram spoke with God, who called him to be the father of a new and chosen people that would be called the people of God. Abram was made patriarch and given a vocation to follow the Lord in many wanderings for the promise of a land with provision enough to sustain innumerable generations, a blessed land for Abram's posterity to call home forever and through which the whole earth would come to be blessed. God called Abram and his aged wife Sarai in this vocation to attest of their trust and obedience, trusting in him that he would deliver to them a son, even in their old age. Abram and Sarai failed that test, manipulating circumstances and using their servant Hagar to produce an heir on their own terms. But God, again, was merciful. He delivered Abraham and Sarah, the child of promise, and with him a renewed vocation, but one that required a test of obedience and trust. To offer that same son back to God in the sacrifice on the mount. Abraham passes the test this time. And both his and his family's vocation are revealed and declared and confirmed. Then when that family becomes a great people in Egypt, the test comes again for the children of Abraham and Sarah. As they are led by Moses through the wilderness toward the land of promise, through the miracle of the Red Sea, they had become a nation by God's mighty hand and had been given the vocation to be the special people on the earth through whom all nations would come to know and worship the true God. But with that calling came the tests of the wilderness, 
which they failed. They missed their opportunity to become that people and inherit that destiny. They complained against God's provision. They required him to give them a sign of his presence, and they bowed themselves down to the idols of the land. But God was merciful, and he gave their legacy to the next generation to secure it, while all of them, even Moses, the great deliverer, returned to the dust of the wilderness as their children entered the promised land. And from that land, there came a shepherd named David, made king by God in place of the wicked King Saul, and given the vocation to rule justly over the chosen people. But with that calling comes a test. Exile in the wilderness for years, hunted by the fallen king, before returning to receive his throne. And as soon as he passes this test of exile, he fails another one, murdering his friend and stealing that friend's wife. But God was merciful and gave David a renewed vocation and with it a test. A second exile in the wilderness, this time hunted by his own son Absalom. And to the test, David assents and humbly walks a shameful path out of Jerusalem to face and pass the test of the wilderness again, returning from beyond the Jordan again as a king for the rest of his days. And then, in the fullness of time, a young virgin named Mary received her vocation by the word of the angel Gabriel, that she would conceive of the Holy Spirit and give birth to the Son of God, this daughter of Adam and Eve, this daughter of Abraham and Sarah, this daughter of Israel, of David, the inheritor of their legacy, receives the calling to become the mother of God, and with that calling, a test of her trust. To that test, Mary says, yes, where so many had said no. She passes the test, and thus her soul magnifies the Lord, and she becomes the chosen vessel to donate humanity to the incarnation of Jesus. Which brings us to today's lesson. When Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, like so many before him, beyond the Jordan to receive his test. He had been born of the Spirit by the Virgin Mary, had been declared the beloved Son of the Father and anointed with nothing less than the Holy Spirit himself at his baptism. He is truly the Son of Man and truly the Son of God, and he takes upon himself as such the whole burden of the human vocation and of Israel's unique calling, along with all of their tests. Our Lord reveals that vocations must always confront the test and prevail, that there is no such thing as an untested vocation, even for him. He goes, led by the Spirit, into the wilderness and confronts the test. But where the first man, the first patriarch, the deliverer, the king, had fallen short, Christ never abandons his trust and obedience in the Father. He never compromises with the great enemies that had laid his ancestors low. And he manfully fights against the tempter until the devil runs away from him. He hears 
what the Father says. And he does it. This is our first lesson in the Sundays of Lent because it informs the whole meaning of Lent. In Lent, we go into the wilderness now, in the flesh of Adam and in the body of Christ. The whole of the Christian life can be summarized by this paradox. We are those who have been born again in Christ by the Spirit through baptism. We have been made to share in the life of the one who was victorious in his test in the wilderness. We've been declared the children of God and received the Spirit. And now we go, like all people who receive a vocation, to our test in the wilderness. As St. Paul says, now is the appointed time. Now, here, is the day of salvation. Our vocation has been declared, but with every true vocation comes the test through which alone that calling is manifested in its fullness as we assent and obey and trust in God. The test of Lent is a test of remaining steadfastly with Christ as he leads us through the wilderness and then to the Garden of Gethsemane and then to the cross on Calvary. Apart from Jesus, we cannot pass the test. And like our ancestors, we are bound for exile and death in the wilderness like Adam and Eve. But in Christ, we are led back into the wilderness to face the failures of before. This time with the one who was victorious in the test. And so we are led through the wilderness back to the vocation humanity received in Eden by the path leading forward through the cross to arrive again where we began and to become the people we were made to be. The test will remain with us always as we journey through life. Lent is a season and not just a day because the test is a season and not just a day. And each new day we are called in new ways to put off the darkness and put on the light. In each day we face the test. Like Cain, the son of Adam, sin crouches at the threshold, but God says to us in every instance of it, thou mayest rule over it. Each of us and all, to, all of us together in the body of Christ bear the character of our first parent's failure, but also the glory of Christ's victory in the test. The test of Lent is to put away that which within us falters before the test bearing with humility our old humanity toward its death, even as we embrace the glory of the children of God, as we are called through our trials, through each of our tests, into eternal life. The test of Lent is to trust in the provision of God by offering fasting, to put away testing God by offering a hopeful simplicity of life, and to resist the devil by offering vigilant prayer. Even the smallest fast, even one small choice to trust in God, even one small prayer offered in love is to participate in Christ's immense victory in the wilderness. And his victory, his victory, is the one that provides for us if we will trust and obey and follow him, nothing less than the joy of the resurrection at Easter. So as we begin, let's not become discouraged in this great labor of love. 
if we have failed already in the fast of Lent, let's take hope from those who have gone before us that even in our defeat, God remains strong and merciful and will forgive and lead forward those who repent with humility. There is no lapse in our Lent's so great that it will undermine the effect of Christ's great Lent. And there is no Lenten labor too small to be counted as part of his great victory and be to us salvation. For even though we carry the shame of our own and our people's failure, we are carried, even still, in love by Christ. By this grace and this fruitful labor, Our vocation is confirmed. Our identity as God's children is manifested to all the world and the heavens, bearing as we do, as God's peculiar new creation, the mystery of salvation as those who are somehow dying, and yet, behold, we live, as chastened, and yet not killed, as sorrowful, and yet somehow always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, and yet possessing everything. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen.